Good afternoon, Bards Nation. How are you all doing today? It is uh, Wednesday, October 26, 2022, and this is Bended Knee. First, I want to give a very happy, happy birthday to MA Patriot Sean, who's celebrating today, as well as just uh, ask you guys to throw out a little bit of prayer for John, um, MSM Liars, who went through a little bit of surgery yesterday, and he is at home healing from that. So we are with you, and you are in our prayers. So today, I figured this would be a good opportunity to kind of expand on a show that I had done myself on Celtic Christian last week, which is all about what is Halloween. And, uh, you know, this is one of those things that goes back and forth, and there's a lot of arguing about where Halloween came from and who actually started it. So a lot of historians would try to tell you that the day of Halloween was actually started by the Christians, which is not true. So Pope Boniface IV formally started what we know now as All Saints Day, also known as All Souls Day, originally in May 13th in 609 after the death of Christ. So this is where things get, you know, this was actually pulled from an old pagan tradition, which uh, we originally knew as Samhain, which came, which was actually in practice well before um, Christ was crucified on that cross. So it actually extends a lot further than this. The reason the Christians ended up bringing this in is for a particular reason, which is the same reason that the Celts and, you know, from Ireland, Wales, and Scotland um, celebrated Samhain, which is the original um, name for what Halloween was called. It's, it's uh, commonly mispronounced as Samhain, and it's only because of the Gaelic spelling, but it's actually pronounced Samhain. So basically, during this time of the year, the Celts had uh, multiple holidays that they would celebrate. They called them um, Sabbaths, and uh, they had different names for them. But they had particular holidays that they would celebrate throughout the year. Some of these uh, holidays that they would celebrate would be called Samhain, Bieltain, which is also known as Whitson, Lasagna, Imbolc, Halloween, Maybaum, Summer Solacist, May Day, and Easter. So these are all um, things that they celebrated back at that time. Easter obviously was a little bit different celebration than what we um, celebrate and worship as of today. So two times in every single year, we have um, what the Celts would believe would be the light time of the year and the dark time of the year. And this wasn't necessarily good and evil. Um, the light time of the year represented the beginning of, you know, setting your gardens and starting to grow your food for the year. And the dark time, which would be kind of the end of the year, which they referred to as Samhain, is what takes place at this time of the year, which would actually be the harvest. So the Celts and the Druids, um, the Druids were the religious people within the Celtic community. So the Celts would have been everybody at that time. And then the Druids were a specific group, which would be kind of like, I guess, you know, the priest of the Celtic community. And um, Samhain has a very interesting history, and I'll go get into this a little bit. So Samhain is a pagan religious festival that originated from the ancient Celt spiritual tradition in modern times. Samhain, which is a Gaelic word pronounced Samhain, spelled Samhain, is usually celebrated from October 31st to November 1st to welcome in the harvest and usher in the dark half of the year. So during these two times of the year, the dark half, which would be Samhain, and the light half, which would be Bieltain and Whitson, was a time where they would say the veil of this earth was very thin and it's more, it's the opportune time for spirits from the other realm or for the other side, both uh, good and bad um, could cross over. The veil was so thin that they could actually move over to this time or to the, to our place on this earth. So they would celebrate by having these big giant fires, which are known as gleed. And this actually began um, the, the Samhain season began towards early to mid October and everybody in that area would start to harvest their crops. So when a farmer would finish harvesting his crops, 
he had what was considered what we would consider either a cane or a staff in which he would pass over to the next farmer. When that farmer ended up um, finishing their harvest, they would do the same and pass it on to another farmer. So whatever farmer ended up with that staff or that cane at a certain time, the very last person to harvest, once he received that cane was required to leave whatever was in the ground in the ground. And what this did is this offered what they referred to as a feast for whatever spirits crossed over into this world. And uh, this is where the tradition of Halloween started um, to, at the very beginning and eventually ended up moving over into the Catholic or the Roman Catholic Church um, in about 609 um, after the death of Christ. The Celtic society was a very matriarchal society. They held women at a higher regard than they held the men. And at that time, most of the leaders, what we you know consider kings in our time, they would have the queens, and the queens would actually run the groups all the way back to a group called the Toy de Genet, which was considered a group of fairies and gnomes and brownies and sprites and all these other mythological creatures that apparently roamed the earth that were run by the females. Um, in order to get the pagans to come over into the Catholic tradition or become over into what we consider the Christian, the Christian religion, um, they ended up moving a lot of the saints that we see today were actually – the what what the Celts would consider deities at that time. So, you know, they would consider them the gods, you know, that represented different things from birth to love to harvest. You know, they kind of had a deity for each other thing. So once the Catholic Church, if you go back and you compare the saints of the Catholic Church to the deities of the Celtic um, beliefs, they're very, very similar, almost the same names with minor spelling differences. For instance, St. Bridget was St. Bridget over the Celtic area. St. Bridget actually has her own Celtic holiday. And another big thing, since the Celts were a very matriarchal um, belief or a very matriarchal system, it was easier to pull these uh, Celts over into the Christian religion by having a figurehead within the Catholic Church, which was a female, which would have been Mary at that point. So utilizing Mary and those saints, it was easier to pull these uh, the Celts over into the Catholic tradition. And Catholicism itself holds many of the practices and traditions that the early Celts had, um, you know, from the candle burning to uh, swinging sage back and forth to get rid of um, impure spirits and a lot of the other things. So it kind of, like I said, it was a way to pull the pagans over into the Christian religion. So Halloween itself, which we know today also is All Saints Day, they believe, you know, since that veil, the Catholics as well believe that that veil was so thin between the other world and our world that we are able to see the saints. So it was uh, the Celts. It was a celebration more or less of their ancestors. So it didn't necessarily have an evil meaning um, behind the holiday itself or what it's become. However, since that veil is so thin between the spirit world and our world, um, this would be the perfect opportunity for demons to walk amongst us for the evil to kind of work itself over to this world, which is why you have a lot of occult practice taking place um, during this particular time. And the reason that I'm going to be talking about this today, and I'm actually, after we do the prayer, I'm going to get into where particular traditions within Halloween came from. And it's very, very fascinating. But the reason I'm doing this is because just to, to stress the importance of our prayer during this time, because a lot of these practices, a lot of the occults, they seize upon this day because that veil is so thin. And because those spirits can walk back and forth, you'll see a lot of sacrifices and religious practice, which has become synonymous with what we know as Halloween today. You guys remember all the stories back when you were kids about 
the satanic things that took place, some of the sacrifices, people being tied to trees and, and just all kinds of horrible things. And this is why we're dealing with this, which is the importance of prayer, because right now during these times, they utilize these times to do a lot of their sacrificing and to bring a lot of their evil into this world through their religious practices, through their occult practices, through their sacrifice and so forth. And prayer is the balance of that. Prayer is what beats this out because these people believe that the power comes. Some of them believe the power comes from Satan and those would be specifically the devil worshipers. But the pagans themselves believe that the power comes from the earth and within themselves. So it's a very egotistical um, way of looking at things. So I will get into the details of where these particular um, aspects and traditions of Halloween came from after our prayer. It is 11 minutes out the hour, guys, so please bow your heads. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for being with us every single day, for watching out for us, dear Lord, for giving this opportunity to be down here at this time and to serve you. Dear Lord, we're walking into one of the more dangerous times of the year, which has a lot of occult practice and a lot of evil things that go on during this time. So I ask, dear Lord, that you get within us, you repair our armor, dear Lord, but give us the strength to go through this time and, and to have us praying multiple, multiple times a day by ourselves with other people. Dear Lord, you are the greatest power, the greatest thing that existed on this earth and nothing compares to you. All the evil that take place on this earth is nothing compared to you and what you do, dear Lord. So I ask, dear Lord, that you watch out for the children, which are always especially in danger during this time of the year. Dear Lord, protect our little ones and let us do what we can to protect the little ones too. Let us get on our knees multiple times a day during this season, especially, dear Lord, and pray for the safety and the well-being of all of those. I ask, dear Lord, that you put a hedge of protection over all of us that are serving you, dear Lord, and all of those innocent souls and beings around this world. I ask, dear Lord, that you just continue to be with us and bless us and give us the courage to stand up and do what's right. Dear Lord, not to participate in these evil things, dear Lord, and to be wary for those that do. Dear Lord, make sure that all the children are protected from all the poisons that are being put into the food and the drugs that are being snuck into the kids' foods during this time, dear Lord, and let them all be safe. The times aren't much different than when we were younger. Things have just changed a little bit. It's becoming a little bit more difficult to see those dangers, dear Lord. So please give us the insight. Give us the love and the discernment to be able to see exactly what's happening in this world. But dear Lord, I also ask that you just put a bind against all those people that mean to do harm. Put a binding spell. Put a binding protection and prayer against these people, dear Lord, and, and make sure that they don't harm themselves and they have no power to harm others. Dear Lord, as your children, we carry the greatest power, and that's because of you, and that comes from prayer. Dear Lord, the people in this world that mean harm against us, they think that that power comes from them. They think that power comes from a fallen angel. But the true power comes from you and the son that you brought to this earth to bless us with, to give us that eternal life, dear Lord. So I ask that you do not let us forget this. Don't let us walk with evil and accident. Don't let us participate in these rituals, dear Lord, which gives them more validity and gives them more power. Let us stand against this, dear Lord. Let us pray together, dear Lord, not only to protect ourselves during these times, but to protect our children, to protect this world, dear Lord, because we know with the chaos, it's getting worse and worse during these times, dear Lord, and it's gonna get worse over the next months and over the next years. But we know you're coming to this earth and you're gonna save us all. You're gonna walk on this earth again, dear Lord, and hopefully we're right by your side. And we are those warriors that you have picked, dear Lord, to fight this fight so that we can put this evil down into the pits of hell like you have promised, dear Lord, and end this reign of evil on this earth, dear Lord, and make it 
what you had intended. Let us become what you had intended to be, dear Lord. And most important, let us raise our children the way that we were supposed to be. Let us raise our children to where they know the truth from the beginning and don't have to spend their lives unlearning like we have. Dear Lord, let's give them the wisdom that we have left behind. We have a lot of making up to do, dear Lord. So I ask one thing, please, dear Lord, if there's going to be a war against this evil, let it be on our time, not our children's. Let us fight this battle so they don't have to. Dear Lord, we love you with all of our hearts. In Jesus Christ's name and our Heavenly Father's name we pray. Amen. So, you know, this has been a year that a lot of people are part of the year that a lot of people, you know, have fun with, you know, dressing up in their costumes, um, going out and trick-or-treating. And the interesting thing is is where all of these traditions came from originally. So I'm going to go over some of these, uh, the origins of Halloween and where their traditions actually came from. And a lot of you guys may be really surprised about where these came from. So carving pumpkins or trick-or-treating and wearing scary costumes are some of the time-honored traditions of Halloween. Yet the Halloween holiday um, has its roots with the ancient Celtic festival of Samhain, which I discussed earlier. Um, pagan, the pagan religion's um, celebration to welcome the harvest at the end of the summer when people would light bonfires and they would wear costumes um, and dress up as ghouls and ghosts and goblins. So this is where some of these traditions came from. The carving of the jack-o'-lanterns, which has become one of the biggest traditions that we have in Halloween, is everybody carves up a jack-o'-lantern with some design and puts it on their front porch. So the traditions of the carving of the jack-o'-lanterns originated in Ireland using turnips and not pumpkins. It is allegedly based upon the legend of a man named Stingy Jack who repeatedly trapped the devil and only let him go on the conditions that Jack would never go to hell. But when Jack died, because he wasn't a good person, he learned that heaven did not want him either. So they forced him to wander the earth as a ghost of eternity. The devil gave Jack a burning lump of coal and a carved out, a carved out turnip, which, um, it, which allowed him to lead his way as he roamed this earth as a lost soul. Locals eventually began carving scary faces into their own turnips to frighten evil away. And then eventually um, it became the pumpkins because pumpkins were easier to get. They were bigger and it gave more surface area for these designs. But this is ultimately where the pumpkin came from, which was the devil kind of mocking um, Jack, who had captured the devil multiple times. And he gave him that carved out turnip, which became a lantern for him to see as he walked this earth as a lost soul. Seeing ghosts. The Festival of Solwind um, marked a tradition that the New Year's at the end of harvest beginning at the winter time. And remember, you had the dark time, which was the winter, and then you had the light time, which was May, which was Beltane and Whitson, which are also um, big celebrated holidays that take place right around May 1st. The Celtic people believed that during this festival, the spirits walk the earth. Later on, the Christian missionaries introduced us to All Souls Day, which we also know as All Saints Day, on November 2nd, which perpetuated the idea that the living are coming into contact more and more with the dead around the same time of year, which, like I said, happens twice a year, once in May and once in October um, into November. So where did wearing scary costumes come from? In order to avoid being terrorized by the evil spirits that walk the earth during Samhain, the Celts donned disguises so that they would not be mistaken um, for people but would mix in with the spirits themselves and hopefully be left alone. But you got to remember on this holiday, it wasn't just the evil spirits that roamed this earth. It was also, you know, they believed the spirits of their ancestors, the ones that they loved. But in order to keep safe, you know, to not 
basically be devoured, eaten, or killed by some of the evil demons and stuff that walked this earth. That is where the costuming came from as a way for them to dress up and intermix with them as they were walking outside at night in these um, fire celebrations. Like I said, the fire was called a bleed and the bleed to ceremonial fire that's used in about um, six quarterly um, sabbats and uh, celebrations, equinoxes of the Celtic, um, the Celtic people. So where did trick-or-treating came from? Well, there's much debate about the origins of trick-or-treating, but generally there are three theories. And the first theory suggests that during Samhain, the Celtic people would leave their food in order to appease the spirits. And that was also where the harvest came from, is that any of the food that was left in the ground would be made, you know, the last person, the last farmer that didn't get his harvest done in time would be forced to leave what was there by the time he got that cane. And in this particular time at night during the, the, this, this veil, um, the thinness of this veil, the demons would feast upon what was left in the ground. And if we ate that food after um, All Souls Day or All Saints Day or Halloween, it would be considered by the Celts as bane, which is also transfer, um, translated into poisonous. And that could have very well be something as simple as since the harvest took so long, the food went bad. Um, but they believed that it was that when you ate it afterwards, it was because the souls and the evil had consumed it. And what was left was basically just evil and uh, an unsavory residue that was left by these demons and these spirits. So the second theory speculates that the candy boon stems from the Scottish practice of guising, which is a secular version of souling during the Middle Ages, generally children and poor adults would collect food and money from local homes in return for prayers on All Saints Day. The geysers dropped the prayers in favor of non-religious practice um, eventually, which were became songs, jokes, and other tricks, which is where we get the term trick-or-treats. So originally, um, even with the Celts, it started off as prayer. The poor people, the ones that couldn't afford the food, that didn't have harvest or anything like that, would go door-to-door and basically get collections of donations of food and stuff like that. And in return for that gift, they got a prayer. And like I said, over time, it ended up becoming what we know as trick-or-treat. So it became just a bunch of people being mischievous on this day, um, collecting candy, walking around, and having a good old time. America obviously seized on this um, once the Scots and the Irish brought that traditions over this direction because Halloween is one of the biggest money-making days that we have right along with Christmas and some of those other days. So they seized upon it, and now it's become kind of like Valentine's Day, you know, which is a hallmark holiday where they're just making money and they create all of these days just to put more profits into a big industry. So the third theory of trick-or-treating argues that uh, modern America trick-or-treating stems from um, what was called as bezelnicking. It's a German-American Christmas tradition, actually, where children would dress up in costume and then call out to their neighbors to see if the adults could guess and identify who was disguised in each costume. Um, at this point, if the people could not identify who, what, what neighbor or whatever was in that costume, then they traditionally would give them food and treats because they couldn't identify them. So those are the three theories that are traditionally come from what we know as trick-or-treating today. So where did black cats come from? The idea of being spooked by black cats dates back to the Middle Ages when there are uh, dark felines were considered a symbol of the devil. It didn't help that centuries later, accused witches were often found with these black cats, particularly black cats. People began to believe that the cats were 
what they know is a witch familiar and a familiar would be um kind of a spirit animal so it would be like a shapeshifter so a witch could actually either become that cat or that cat specifically was a soul of an ancestor that that witch knew which was why they come up with the term familiar and the black cats and the spookiness have been linked with halloween ever since and it was because of that connection with uh the witches mainly owning these black cats so where did black and orange come from a traditional halloween colors Traditional Halloween colors of black and orange are the traces back to the Celtic festival of Samhain. For the Celts, black represented the death of summer, while orange symbolized the harvest of autumn. So the, the colors of the leaves, which would be no different over in the European areas as they are today, where we get the reds and the oranges of what we call autumn today. And then, like I said, is the black represented the death, which would be the opposite of the life which would be um, during May, during Bieltane and Whitson. So bobbing for apples, and this is a very interesting one too, guys. So the game of bobbing for apples has been a staple at Halloween parties for many years, but its origins are more rooted in love and romance. The game traces back to the courting ritual that were part of the Roman festival honoring the goddess, which is known as Pomona. Now, the Pomona actually comes from a Latin pretext word called Pomoma, which actually means fruit, apple, and so forth. So it all kind of combines into this, and I'll get into that here in a moment as well. But the goddess of agriculture and abundance is what uh, this particular um, Pomoma, Pomona represented. While multiple versions existed, the gist was that young men and women would be able to predict their future relationships based on this game. When the Romans conquered the British Isles in the 43 AD, the Pomona Festival blended with the similar, um, similarly timed Samhain as a precursor to Halloween. So like I said, as many of these things actually came well after um, the traditions of Samhain, which started well before um, the death of Christ. And then the introduction to Christian All Saints Day, All Souls Day, Halloween as we know it today, 609, um, after the death of Christ. And then the traditions like bobbing for apples, candy corn, and stuff like that didn't come around until 1939. So <clears throat> pranking, um, the pranks often varies by region, but the pre-Halloween tradition known as Devil's Night, which we hear of often, mainly in America, we hear it up in uh, the Detroit area where they tend to burn things down. And The Crow was kind of based on that, if you guys have seen the movie The Crow. But um, it was traditionally known for Devil's Night. Is credited to a different origin depending on the source. Some say that the prank started as a part of a May Day celebration, but Samhain eventually, All Souls Day or All Saints Day, also included good-natured mischief. When the Irish and Scottish immigrants came to America, they brought with them the tradition of celebrating Mischief Night as part of Halloween, and typically Mischief Night or um, Devil's Night would be the day before Halloween going into Halloween night. Like I said, if you guys... Um, go back and look a little bit of history about American traditions. The biggest that you will see, Devil's Night, takes place right in Detroit. Um, you'll always see fires burning. And a matter of fact, if you, you'll probably see um, examples of that probably on Sunday because it happens every single year. So lighting candles and bonfires, which is another big tradition for Halloween. For much of the early history of Halloween, towering bonfires were used to light the way for souls that were seeking the afterlife. So those souls that were stuck here on this earth that had not found heaven, um, they would light these bonfires as a way to guide them up into the heavens. 
these days lighting candles have generally replaced the large traditional blazes. So instead of the the gleeds or the ceremonial fires, that's why we now have candles that we put inside of our jack-o'-lanterns, um, which go, ties right back into what the devil did by giving um, by giving Jack, which is why you, you you hear the term Jack along with Halloween, Jack o' lantern. Um, this all ties right in together. So the candy apples for centuries, people believe um, from coating fruit and syrup as a means to preserve their food. So this is where the candy apple came from. Is they it would basically like salting your meat, is that the syrups would actually preserve your food for a while. Um, the uh, the Roman festival Pomona, Pomona, which I just told you about, the goddess was often represented or associated with apples. So what other part of Christian history do we know where the apple is relevant? And that would be Adam and Eve. And the apple wasn't necessarily a representation of something good. It was a representation of the beginning of sin. So this is where the apple comes into it. And these little traditions are just ways to get us to play along without realizing what we're actually partaking in. And it's very dangerous. Like I said, even if you're not actively participating in occult rituals or rituals or magic or spell casting or anything like that, um, by accepting it and participating in these holidays that represent it, you are basically giving a thumbs up. And this all comes back to um, exactly the apple for the teacher, Kitty to Karen, exactly. All of these things line up and you'll realize that these symbols are specifically put here on this earth because they're always the devil has to tell us their plans, which is why you see it in movies and, and books and all this other stuff. They don't hide anything from us. It is literally right in front of our faces. We just don't know. So bats also became synonymous with holidays or with this particular holiday. And why is that? Well, first off, this is the time of the year where the bats are at the cave. Here where I live in central Texas, the bats um, are leaving all the time. You can go out right before dusk and the bats are flying out of their cave and it's a pretty impressive sight. But the bats were likely present at the earliest um, Poto Halloween celebrations, not just symbolically, but literally. As part of the Samhain, the Celts lit these large bonfires, which I told you about, which are called gleeds, which attracted insects and in return attracted bats. Soon, spotting bats became connected with the festival itself and, and the traditions of Halloween. Medieval folklore expanded upon the eeriness of bats with a number of superstitions built around the belief that bats are the harbingers of death. And they also became synonymous with what we know as vampires and so forth, which falls into the whole adrenochrome and the processing of blood from the children, which comes down to these uh, ritual occult practices which they do on this day. So devouring the candy, the act of going door to door for handouts as long has been a part of Halloween um, um, tradition. But until the mid 20th century, the treats that children received were not necessarily candy. They were things like fruit, nuts, coins, and toys that were just as likely to be given out. Trick-or-treating rose in popularity in the 1950s, and it inspired candy companies to start marketing um, small, individually wrapped candies. People began to favor the confections of the convenience, but the candy did not dominate at the uh, exclusion of all of the treats until the 1970s when parents started fearing anything that was unwrapped. And then that brings us on into where we are today because you guys remember back when, you know, in the 70s and the 80s, we used to hear those horror stories about them putting razor blades and stuff into our candy. Many of us even had part of our traditional Halloween was going to the police station and running our stuff through x-ray machines to see that our candy wasn't tainted. 
So there, this is where the wrap candies really came into it is because people felt a little bit more safer knowing that that candy was wrapped and there probably wasn't any razor blades or anything. But now we're dealing with a whole different thing where people are injecting poisons into our candy. So it wouldn't be something that you could see through the package. You know, evil progresses just like everything else in this world and they just get better at what they're doing, at the evil they're doing. And now we're dealing with drugs and fentanyl and stuff like that being disguised as candy, put into um, Skittles and and nerds and all these other different kind of candies and passed out to the children, which is probably why this is one of the most scary Halloweens uh, I say, you know, and although I recommend and Scott does as well, that we don't participate in this holiday at all. For those of you who are planning to do so, this is what I recommend going to the store, purchasing a couple of bags of your kid's favorite candy. If they go trick or treating, let them go trick or treating, but dump all that candy that they got from neighbors into the garbage and give them what you purchase at the store at the very least. Although I do suggest not becoming part of this holiday because we are um, basically giving the okay to the occult practice by participating in this. So these are some of the biggest uh, traditions that we didn't realize where it come from and why it's important right now. Because if, if the veil is thin, you know, just keep this in mind. This is why the occult practice is so big. This is why they do a lot of their rituals and their sacrifices on this day. But it's our job to counteract this with prayer. It's our job to get together because magic is very real. A lot of people think that it's just myth and stuff like that, but it's very real. I have studied this stuff a lot growing up. Um, and fortunately for me, I had God in my heart and God ended up making sure that I didn't ever practice any of this stuff. I just learned it, but it's important to realize how real this is. But the strongest thing, the strongest power, the strongest origin in this entire world comes from our Lord Almighty God and our prayer. So anything that these people can do, and there's a reason that these people are practice in what are known as covens, where they come together as groups, because just like prayer, prayers get stronger and more powerful the more people you have coming together to pray for the same thing because it's all intention it's focus it's what you want and what you are asking god for but it's the same thing in these occult rituals and these people think that that power with these rituals and the occult practices and these spell casting they do comes from them comes from the earth what they don't realize is it comes from the fallen angel and the angel is gonna is going to um, ask for a payment at some point and they just don't get this even though they in most cases these covens don't serve satan themselves they are without realizing it and that's why it's important during these times that we spend time with our families we spend time with each other and we spend time with a lot of prayer because prayer is the only thing that's going to stop these uh these spells from actually happening and trust me they're very real because if they weren't real you wouldn't see all of these elites and all of these bloodlines, these evil people around the world practicing this stuff. But there's nothing more powerful than the God and the prayer that God gives us, guys. Don't ever forget that. Always, especially during this time, get down on your knees multiple times a day and keep praying. Pray that these people cannot have any, any rituals that work. Pray that they can't harm themselves and pray that they cannot harm others. All right, everybody, I want to thank you so much for uh, joining us today for this uh, episode of Bended Knee. I'll be back this evening for uh, Fishers of Man. We got another uh, two-part um, interview, I believe, coming away. I got the first part today, so it's going to be a great, great show. For those of you that are leaving, have an absolutely blessed day. For those of you who are going to be hanging out for the next 30 minutes with music, thanks for staying. 
We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward, by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable, and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who move forward, and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor, will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your that has waited thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples. It has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. Push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. 
We live by the words, in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath. Strangers and some the folks you know. Holy Ghost and talk show hosts on planet in the sand. You 
beautiful of foothills shake the many hands. Nothing on the top but a bucket and a mop and an illustrative look about birds. See a lot out there, but don't be scared. Go need Jackson when you got words. Fish with a mop, then you can't stop and look at what you've done. Plateaus clean, no dirt to be seen in the work. It was fun. Nothing on the top but a bucket and a mop and an illustrated book about birds. See a lot of there, but don't be scared. Who needs hats when you got words? began to scan around for the next plateau some say it was Greenland some say Mexico others decided it was nowhere except for where they stood those were all just guesses wouldn't help you if they
That you knew it all Well, you've seen it ten times before I thought that you had it down With both your feet on the ground I love soul Thank you. 
So I am avoiding the work that I really don't want to get to. So I'm going to play one more song. We're going to end with System of the Down.
All right, everybody, have an absolutely beautiful rest of your day. I will be back tonight to run another uh, interview that Scott has sent to me for Bards FM. And that may be a double interview. If I'm not mistaken, this may be the one with Brad Cummings, which would be a great one. We had him as a guest last night. Absolutely love listening to that guy. But y'all, it's been an absolute pleasure. I don't mind when Scott goes on his God journey because I get to spend that little bit more time with you guys and I absolutely love it. That being said, have a beautiful rest of your day. I will see you tonight. I love you all and God bless.